all of the time. A strong, positive family culture is the secret weapon of Catholic parents because it will help children to recognize that the culture of the world is shallow and unsatisfying. For a free download on how to develop your own family culture, visit us at MessyFamilyMinute.org. Welcome to the Spirit World. I am Debbie Giorgiani with religious demonologist Adam Bly. And today, this is our recorded broadcast, our mailbag show, our monthly mailbag, where we take your comments, your questions, we put them all in this virtual mailbag, and then we pick one out, one at a time, and we answer as best we possibly can on the spirit world. But no phone calls today, because this is a a pre-recorded broadcast. This is our monthly mailbag show, where we kind of clean up everything from all our pre Previous uh, episodes and our shows and our topics, and we answer your questions, we entertain your comments, and hopefully we walk away um, with a better understanding of angels and demons. But we always begin, Adam, with prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle, be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Okay, so there's no particular order to these comments or questions that have come in. And and folks, um, you can also like us on Facebook and leave your comments there as well. You follow us on Facebook at The Spirit World Podcast. Now, normally... um, uh, we're live, and you're always welcome uh, to um, uh, submit your questions um, for the show. And we are, we're retrieving everything, and I've got it all together, Adam. So there's no particular order to these questions or comments. So we'll just take them one at a time, and um, and it'll probably be wonderful because we've covered since May, Adam, so many topics. Uh, we had two parts on angels. Uh, we talked about Reiki and yoga and Freemasonry. And, um, we talked about, um, uh, you know, maybe possibly cursed images and all sorts of things we've covered so far, which is great because it allows our listeners to have a better understanding of what's really happening in the spirit world, right? So now the questions and comments are coming in. So the first, um, uh, the first question was from Paul from Massachusetts, and Paul was asking about the angels and wanted to know if the angels have a name. Um, and so let's talk about that, and let's also talk about the Directory of Popular Piety about naming angels as well. We might as well get into that as well because it, it always we always lose some friends over that because um, there was a period of time in uh, religious education and in Catholic schools where many uh, priests and nuns encouraged um students to uh, ask for a name from their guardian angel and the directory of popular piety made it very clear that that should be discouraged and i know we don't make many friends when we talk about this but we need to (laughs) yep yep well debbie um yes angels do have names and when we want to when we want to learn about that we we kind of need to go back to scripture of course and we can also glean a little bit from the jewish uh, pseudo-apocryphal or apocryphal books, the books that aren't in the Bible, but that, that uh, 
kind of informed the community at the time of Jesus. And so in the in the Catholic Bible, we have three names of angels, Gabriel, Raphael, and Michael. And the last two letters, E-L, you see that's the that's common amongst those three names. That means of God. L was kind of an old um Jewish reference to God the Father. And so it would mean, uh, Michael, of course, means who is like God. So the L is the God there. And, uh, you know, there's God heals and the strength of God for Gabriel and Raphael. So what we see in, in the Catholic scripture is an, we can kind of think of them as the three types of angels, the warrior, the healer, and the messenger. So Gabriel came to Mary and gave the message of the Annunciation. You're going to, you're going to bear Jesus and bring him into the world. Uh, Raphael heals. And then Michael, of course, is the warrior. And so we can kind of see those as three kind of archetypes or types of angelic activity that the Bible gives us. And the name implies what they do. And that's the critical thing. The name is a reference to the angel's function in most cases. Now, that's the name that God gave, and of course it relates to their function, because we know they were created to do a particular function. And they have a faculty, Thomas would say, which just means uh, an ability to do the function they were made for, and the name points to that function. So you'd reference the idea of should we name our angels. And I, I think it's pretty clear um, that we should not name our angels, and the reason is we are, they, we are a lesser order of creature than the holy angel while we are here on earth. Now, if we make it to heaven, we will actually be, a, that's my understanding, a slightly higher order of creature at that point. But at this point, we're a lesser order of creature, so God has not therefore given us dominion over the angels. So the the hierarchy is the other way. Now, they don't name us, our parents name us, and God gives that authority to our parents, uh, but we don't have the authority to name them. So I think it's best to just avoid that um, because it's kind of in usurping more authority than we actually have. And then, um, so the Directory of Popular Piety um, and Liturgy talks about discouraging um um, naming of angels. And I understand, Adam, that, like I said earlier, well, it happened to me in my generation that a lot of priests and nuns uh, in Catholic schools uh, would encourage um, having a name so that it, you you tightened that relationship with the with the guardian angel, and and I and I understand that, folks, because that same thing happened to me when I was growing up. So I, I I understand that, but they they have a name given by God. We if we name them, then it shows that we have some kind of like ownership of them, or we're over them, which we're not. And also, it it could potentially be a trick from demons to to possibly give us a name that is not that name of that of that angel, correct? And then start some kind of false uh, dialogue that is very unhealthy. Yeah. So, you know, the big red flag when when dealing with spiritual encounters is what you just said is dialogue. So. The word angel means messenger, and a messenger, and we referenced in the past when we did our part two on angels, a messenger kind of by definition is delivering a message for somebody else, and that somebody else is the greater authority they're delivering it for, which is God. So the angel may deliver a one-way message, and that's very rare. 
in terms of actually hearing it or seeing it. Usually that happens for saints in a very advanced state in the spiritual life that most of us are not cloistered in, in a situation and, you know, given the grace to pray that way for decades and get to that point. So we shouldn't be expecting them to pop out of a cloud and talk to us and, and start directly audibly speaking to us. Um, it happens to some saints, but it's a very rare thing and it's for a specific reason and then it stops. Anything that wants to have an ongoing dialogue with you, basically that's a trick. And that's drawing your focus away from your relationship with God and into a focus on that angel. And that's that's improper because that's a violation of the first commandment. And we know that Padre Pio had a very close relationship with his guardian angel. Um, I believe he called his guardian angel like a holy angel or, you know, a very, a very um, respectful you know, general term of, of, of who they are, pure spirits, right? Um, and so that's, that's wonderful to do. P- praying the uh, guardian angel prayer is, is, is wonderful. And it's the awareness that they are on a mission by God himself. And, um, we are to cooperate with that mission. And, and that's our role because God, we, we serve a God of cooperation. Our God loves everyone to cooperate. And it's very important because we're all part, we're all part of the, uh, the family. So that's, that's good. I'm glad we covered that. Okay. Let's pull another a question out of the virtual mailbag. Um, remember they're not in any particular order. I know folks that you have been sending in questions and comments from, um, as far back as about, uh, three or four weeks ago, but we're just gonna we're just gonna go down the list and just keep um, bouncing around and answering all your questions and your comments um, as well. So this one comes in from Mary from Virginia, Adam, and um, Mary was uh, asking. She said, "Our daughter received crystals from her boyfriend's mother, who is in the New Age movement. Are they dangerous? Should I insist that they be thrown out? Our daughter lives with us." Um, lives with us as well. So should they be thrown out? Um, her, their daughter lives with them. And if they are to be thrown out, Adam, which I think I know where your answer is going to go, um, how do they How do they get rid of them? Yeah, so all of these things that come out of the New Age, crystals, um, other ritual objects or, or talismans or, or symbols that might come out of there um, that you might see in a New Age shop or, or even a Wicca shop, that kind of thing, they're problematic on on at least the level of you're kind of putting your hope and faith in just a rock. Crystal is just a rock. And at worst, you're bringing an evil spirit into your home because in a lot of cases, these occult shops, particularly the Wicca shops, uh, have done rituals over these objects and attached an evil spirit to them and then sold it to the public. And so at the very least, you're kind of sh- you're flirting with violating the first commandment. And at worst, you brought a bad spirit into your home. Mm-hmm. So get rid of it. <laughs> Get it out of the home. Okay, this is our monthly mailbag show. It's a pre-recorded broadcast. No calls today, so just uh, sit back and listen and learn on the spirit world. in a sea of overwhelm? Hi, this is Coach Felicity with Stand Tall Today Coaching Minute. Many people find themselves challenged with overwhelm. Too many things to take care of, too many people to please, 
too much work to do. And in spite of their best efforts, they continue to fall behind with this overwhelm coming in like a flood. But that's not the abundant life that Jesus wants you to live. That's why Stand Tall Today has experienced professional coaches that will assist you in dialing down that overwhelm. They'll help you get a grasp on where you are and create a plan that enables you to take bite-sized steps of action so you can live an abundant life. Why not take your first step right now? Go to StandTallToday.com and find a coach that is just right for you. Because life is simply too short to stay lost in a sea of overwhelm. This is Coach Felicity with your Stand Tall Today Coaching Minute. EWTN is everywhere. EWTN radio programming is provided free of charge to over 500 domestic and international AM and FM radio stations. It's a great teaching tool for Catholics and non-Catholics alike. For a complete list of EWTN AM and FM stations across America, visit EWTNradio.net. At the bottom of the page, click Affiliates. EWTN, the global Catholic network. You're listening to an encore performance of The Spirit World. No calls at this time. The Spirit World continues with Debbie Giorgiani and Adam Bly. If you have a question for the show, call 877-757-9424 or email tsw at grnonline.com. But no calls today because this is a pre-recorded broadcast. This is our monthly mailbag show. This is where we gather up all the questions and the comments that you have about our previous uh, episodes. And then you ask those questions and we answer them on our monthly mailbag show. So if you do have a question for um, a future uh, next month's uh, show, uh, please email us. And the easiest way to do that, I would say, Adam, I, uh, our email at TSW, that's the spirit word world at grnonline.com. But I also think that another way, super easy, is on Facebook. So if you find us on Facebook, you can like us on Facebook, and we can build our our friendship there. And that's at the Spirit World Podcast. And you can leave your comment or your question there, and we'll pick it up for the monthly mailbag shows. So let's go back to um, the questions we have for this one, uh, this particular uh, show today, Adam. But before the break, um, right as we went into the break, Adam, you were talking about the crystals, and then I said, just get rid of them, get them out of the house. And then I started thinking through the break, I'm, 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 and we started chatting a bit, and I said, well, and you said, well, what happens if like a, uh, somebody who's picking up the garbage finds this crystal, you know, and then, and then grabs it and then they, now they have it in their home. So maybe we should go the extra effort and should we, should we take a hammer and smash the crystal and break it apart so no one else can, can have that uh, tainted object? Yeah, I think when it comes to these things that might be physically attractive to somebody, um, if if you're able to to disfigure it or destroy it, that's probably better because, you know, sometimes at the trash dump, bags get torn open and, and stuff is there, or an animal might tear it open and then the, the, the trash person sees it. So you probably don't want to leave it in that attractive state. And, you know, the same thing for, you know, if there's other images or other objects that that look valuable or attractive and, and you 
you know, they're coming from the occult. You probably want to disfigure them or destroy them. But, of course, be careful, you know, um, you know, if you're going to be swinging a hammer at a crystal, just be careful, obviously, be okay. smart, put on eye protection and, and um, you know, have the strength to do that. It's not critical, though. If you're unable to do that, just throw it away. You know, maybe mm-hmm. wrap it up in a paper bag and, and throw it away. Probably nobody will see it. Yeah, good advice. Okay, we're always drawn into shiny things, though. So, um, you know, with crystals and stuff, they look, they uh, you know, from the exterior, they're very pretty to look at, right? So mm-hmm. people are drawn into that, yeah. Okay, so next, um, next uh, comment comes in, and this is from one of our listeners of the spirit world. And this is quite interesting, Adam, and I'm, I'm very, um, I have a couple thoughts on this, but I, I'm very interested in, to see how you're going to respond to this. Um, Uh, This wonderful lady says she has a question. She says her husband wanted a statue of St. Francis, patron saint of animals. So I bought him a statue. We had a dog boarding kennel, and I put the statue over one of the dog kennels. I thought, what great protection. We came out the next morning, and to our horror, that dog was dead in the kennel. Now I just stare at the statue five years later and wonder why. Hmm. Look at the timing of that. So she bought a St. Francis statue, put it over the dog kennel. The next morning, the dog was dead. Yeah, so when, we, when we're talking about a statue or any object, uh, first off, we have to remember that it's, it's in one of three categories. It could be any object. It could be your, the mug of coffee that you're, that you're drinking from. It's either completely spiritually neutral meaning it still retains original sin um, that went through creation at the beginning, and it hasn't been blessed and it hasn't been cursed. So that's most objects around. Nothing spiritual has happened to them. Or uh, it's been cursed in the sense that uh, some dominion of the enemy has been given over for that object. So it's not that it's possessed, it's not that a demon is sitting there with the mug, uh, but they have the right to do extraordinary things around it. That's what a curse is. Or it's been blessed, and that is where you've given that over, the authority, the owner of that has given it over to God and asked God to provide some grace in that object. So mm. that, that we need to understand that. So that statue, though it's an image of Francis, was in one of those three categories. It either had nothing had ever been done spiritually, or it had been hopefully blessed, but usually you buy those at uh, places that sell stuff for your yard and your garden, and they're just made by a mold company that, that stamps them out, mm-hmm. and chances are nothing was done. And there's a slim chance it was cursed. But here's the thing. We don't want to jump to the conclusion of causation from correlation, and that's a mistake that that psychology has known for a long time as human beings. We decide there's causation very easily, and we, we can become very convinced that something had a causative effect when it actually had a correlation effect. Yes, the odds were slim that that dog would have died that evening, um, but that doesn't mean that the statue caused it. That could have mm-hmm. been a coincidence. And coincidences statistically do happen. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what's the solution? Well, you could have the statue blessed by your priest to make sure that it's blessed. If you were to see three different animals died when that statue was near them, well, then I would be saying, well, boy, that that is getting to the point where it's a little more striking, and maybe you want to get that statue off the property, sure. And I'm not saying wait until three animals die before you remove it, but... I'd be careful about jumping to causation right away. 
Um, I would have things like that blessed by your priest before mm-hmm. you deploy them, you know, at your home at all. It, it's a holy image of a saint. Let's get it holied up a little bit before we use it. But you can't bless away a tainted object completely, can you? No, if it was, and I'm talking about there, something that had nothing done to it. So any statue we should bless because we assume it's just came from a factory and nothing spiritual was done. If it was cursed, which hopefully that isn't the case here, it's unlikely, but if it were cursed, the blessing doesn't remove the curse necessarily. Usually a some type of exorcistic prayer, meaning a priest with authority says in the name of Jesus, you know, I break any curses on this object. Mm-hmm. Authoritatively can do that if they have permission to do those kind of prayers. If they're doing it informally, any priest can do that. They can just do that informally. If they're going to use one of the special rites of the church for exorcism, they need permission to use that rite. So your priest can informally do that in the name of Jesus. I break any curses on this statue. That should be enough. Mm-hmm. Now, we have seen some stuff with... um you know, more serious cases that it gets a little more complicated where you need more of a formal exorcism of the object. Right. But it's unlikely that that would be needed. You know what I feel really sad about is uh, she's such a beautiful soul. She said she, she five years later, she goes out and looks at the statue and she has that, you know, she remembers, you know, she's thinking, why? Why did that happen? And it's so sad because, you know, we, we, St. Francis is such a beloved saint. We love him. He is the patron of, of animals and, and it's just so beautiful. And, you know, we have the blessing of our animals during St. Francis Day. And, and it's just, I, I feel my heart breaks for her that she has to feel that connection. Is there any way for her to heal that? That's a great question, Debbie. And yeah, the, It's the exact thing. I guess if we could frame that as, you know, that's a temptation in a sense, because what would the devil want? The devil in terms of tempting now, I'm not talking about curses, but the devil in terms of tempting, anything that can drive a wedge between us and God and between our love of God and our and our trust in God is something that he's going to try to tempt us and to emphasize that to do, you know ultimately he wants us to despair of god and think that god hates us and there's no hope for us that's his ultimate goal but if he can start that wedge with a little event like that that may have been just chance uh he can then work on that over time through temptation and temptation isn't possession it's not oppression um but i would i would see it as that and say you know lord Help me to trust you. Help me to love you. Help me to um, remember that it was your will, th- that it was that time for that animal to pass. Right. And that that's okay. And it doesn't mean that St. Francis hurt the animal or God hurt the animal. Right. Um, you know, help me to be joyful in the fact that you've given me these animals to care for. And I see through creation your face, you know, mm-hmm. in, in the animals of the world, in the sky, in nature, I see you, which is one of the two ways the church says that we see God is through creation. Mm-hmm. And so try to focus on the positive as opposed to that little thorn in your side that's still there five years later that's nagging at you, that's trying to say, you know, don't love God, don't trust God. God, you know, was mean to the to this dog. That's a lie of the enemy. Sure. Because even if it was cursed, it wasn't God being mean to the dog. It was right. it was that curse. It was that evil spirit. But again, I think that was probably just chance. 
And I would also say, because I'm a very visual person, so if I saw a, a statue of St. Francis and I had that, that thought in my mind of what happened, how, how, how terrible it was that the dog died, I would, I would go, I would make the extra effort to, um, read the story of St. Francis again, maybe watch some movies of St. Francis and restore your confidence and your understanding and your knowledge of this great saint of St. Francis because he's one, he's such a great saint and um, he would absolutely want the best for us and, and want us to get to, get to heaven. And so I just I would want this this wonderful soul and, and her husband to um, restore their 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 uh, love and their friendship for the great saint of St. Francis. What, what do you what do you think? Oh, I think you're right on, Debbie. I think that's a wonderful piece of it. Yes. Yeah, because sometimes I think the demons love, like you said, when you said they like to put a wedge, you know, if that wedge gets gets too big, we start to lose confidence in in the heavenly realm. And that's not that's not a good thing. You know, we want it. We want to constantly reinforce our trust and confidence that God exists. He's on the throne and we know that they're rooting for us and they want us to get to heaven. So it's a big thing. OK, we we must do this. I didn't do it last show again, Adam. And you know what? I I don't know. I I, I feel, almost feel like I need to go to confession. Um, we've got to thank our fine producer, Angelo Catalano. He is doing such an amazing job. Phenomenal. Thank you. We love you so very, very much. Angelo uh, controls everything, produces the show, also is our call screener. Um, it's amazing how God has gifted him to be able to do that. He multitasks very well. So, Angelo, thank you. So I said it now on the mailbag pre-recorded broadcast that'll it'll, it'll always be um, um, recorded so you can just play it over and over again Angelo if you're ever feeling like we we've uh, ignored you okay alrighty so we're gonna we're gonna move on uh, for to more questions and comments and remember Adam I shared that on Facebook people can leave their questions and comments and that's a super easy way to get to us and Maureen did just that so we'll, we'll uh, share Maureen's um, question and her story and then um, we'll probably have to continue uh, the response on the other side of the break but Maureen says I love your show well Maureen we love you thank you so very much for listening to the spirit world Maureen says is it true that you can be under attack I have spoken to my Catholic pastor about about things that have happened to my husband and and getting more involved at the parish level. Okay, I'm going to leave it right there because you hear that music. I'll fit. I'll pick up on the other side of the break with Maureen's um, story and her question about being under attack. Ooh, this is going to be a good one. Maureen, thank you for going on to Facebook and liking us at the Spirit World Podcast. And you can do that as well, dear listeners. Go to Facebook and like us there. We want to grow our family there on Facebook. This is our mailbag show, our monthly mailbag show on the Spirit World. Stay with us. in a sea of overwhelm? Hi, this is Coach Felicity with Dan Tall Today Coaching Minute. Many people find themselves challenged with overwhelm. Too many things to take care of, too many people to please, too much work to do. And in spite of their best efforts, they continue to fall behind with this overwhelm coming in like a flood. 
But that's not the abundant life that Jesus wants you to live. That's why Stand Tall Today has experienced professional coaches that will assist you in dialing down that overwhelm. They'll help you get a grasp on where you are and to create a plan that enables you to take bite-sized steps of action so you can live an abundant life. Why not take your first step right now? Go to StandTallToday.com and find a coach that is just right for you. Because life is simply too short to stay lost in a sea of overwhelm. This is Coach Felicity with your Stand Tall Today Coaching Minute. The destination for great Catholic audio programming is EWTN Podcast Central, featuring the best of EWTN radio, as well as faith-filled podcasts from our friends and affiliates across the nation, all in one place, all free. If it's central to the faith, you can find it on EWTN Podcast Central. It's like podcast heaven. Visit EWTN.com slash radio slash podcasts today. You're listening to an encore performance of The Spirit World. No calls at this time. The Spirit World continues with Debbie Giorgiani and Adam Bly. If you have a question for the show, call 877-757-9424 or email tsw at grnonline.com. You can call us, but we're probably not going to answer today because it's a pre-recorded broadcast. This is our monthly mailbag, grab bag show on the spirit world. This is where we gather up all your questions and your comments, and we answer um, them in no particular order. So we're going back to Maureen's um, story and her question, which is fascinating. And we may use the whole segment to, to really dive deeply into Maureen's situation because this, this particular situation comes up a lot, and Jerry Usher and I hear it a lot on Take Two with Jerry and Debbie. So listen up to what Maureen had to say. She came in through Facebook and she said again, I'll say it again, I love your show. Is it true that you can be under attack? I have... I have spoken to my Catholic pastor about things that have happened to my husband and I after getting more involved in my parish and more spiritual in my faith, daily mass, Eucharistic adoration, etc. Okay, so so Maureen and her husband got more active in church. She went to daily mass, Eucharistic adoration. She got involved in ministry, and she said her pastor thought we could be under attack. I put my trust in Jesus and prayed to my guardian angel, St. Michael, Divine Mercy, and the Rosary. Things finally started to turn around about four weeks later. Anyway, I've heard about being under attack by demons and was curious about it. Thank you, and God bless you. Maureen, this particular situation comes up a lot. And so, Adam, why don't why don't you share um, an understanding of what happens when we get closer to God? Well, you know, Debbie, it's interesting because Maureen actually answered her own question in her question. So, What happened there? Well, she was getting closer to God. She's getting more involved in her faith. And then she felt like she might be having some spiritual pushback, some some trouble. And what did that cause her to do? She says, I put my trust in Jesus, prayed to my guardian angel, prayed to St. Michael, prayed the divine mercy, and prayed the rosary. So here's this quote-unquote problem being under attack. And what did it, it, it kind of push her to do? 
all this conversion, all this additional prayer, putting trust in Jesus, these additional prayers. And then what happened immediately after that? She says things finally started to turn around about four weeks later after all this additional prayer. And so the first thing is, Debbie, as we mentioned before, we want to be careful about correlation versus causation. Sometimes life is just rough. And sometimes we go through weeks or months where a lot of things go wrong. And that's just life. And we know that the scripture tells us to be joyful even in times of trouble and adversity. You know, that was um, part, of, part of the readings just a, a few well, about nine or ten days ago at Mass, we know that we not to expect life to be a perfectly smooth, easy ride just because we're Christian. There's going to be hardships, and we need to be joyful in spite of them. So that's kind of part of it. But let's say, let's let's back up a little bit. Being under spiritual attack, we're always under spiritual attack. From cradle to grave, we're under spiritual attack. That's the nature of life. And it comes in two forms the ordinary and the extraordinary. So what's the ordinary spiritual attack that we're always under? It's temptation. And we know that this basically is is basically a continuous process. We There are moments that we might have a let up, sure, uh, out, days, minutes, hours, uh, where we might not be, so, well, maybe not days, minutes and hours that we might be so busy that we're not tempted, our thoughts don't go to those sins. However, it's part of life. And God allows it. Uh, it is the normal activity of the demon to tempt us. And God allows that. Why? Not because he's mean, but because that's what causes spiritual growth. You know, we talked in a previous show about the angels. They don't grow in understanding, and that's a difference in their mind. We do. We need trials. We need failures, successes in order to get wiser over time. And so that's the normal attack we're always under. The extraordinary attack is what the church calls infestation, oppression, sometimes obsession and possession. She's not going through that. She's having some hardship in life. Maybe that is being allowed by God. Maybe it is coming from the enemy. And that's fine. The point is, is, okay, Lord, that's your either your permissive will for me, your active will for me. And what happened? Beautiful. She trusted in Jesus more. She increased her prayer life, and then the troubles went away. So, in a sense, she answered her own question. It's beautiful. Oh, I I thought so, too. Maureen, that was excellent. Thank you so very much. Um, Adam, I know a lot of people that don't want to um, necessarily get super close to ministry in the church because they kind of want to fly under the radar with the demons because they 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 have heard similar situations like Maureen's that that the moment you get really close to God that you know all these terrible things start happening in your world, your work, your life, your friendships, your kids, and everything. And we should not be, and if I heard you correctly, we should not be afraid of that. We should not be on the defensive. We should be on the offensive by strengthening ourselves spiritually, by doing all the right things like Maureen did with divine mercy and the rosary and getting closer to God and asking our guardian angel to walk with us through this and to really get ourselves, um, you know, soldiered up, if you will, you know, and, and strong, because that's, that is only going to get us closer in our relationship with God, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, the spiritual life, the Christian life, um, 
The spiritual life is a struggle. It, it's not easy. Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. He didn't say, well, now everything's going to be, you know, roses and, and people feeding you grapes for the rest of your life. It's not going to be easy. He said, people are going to hate you because you follow me. It's going to be difficult. Um, you know, it's to be in the, the world the reward and not is great. Be, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, the path to heaven is not an easy path. Uh, it takes work. It takes trust. It takes commitment. And flying under the radar, Debbie, my concern about that is, is that you're giving more deference to the devil than to God. You're essentially putting the devil at the center of your spiritual life because now the devil's dictating what you do and don't do in your spiritual life. And is that the figure that we want to be defining us? Right. If Jesus at our judgment says, you know, well, what happened here? Do we have to say, well, I feared him more than I trusted you? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. you asked me to yeah. you asked me to do my work, and uh, instead I gave him deference and said no to you. Right. So, you know, we don't want to let him kind of slide in and start running our lives. I completely agree. Um, and then what, let's talk about the clergy. That's why it's so important that we pray for our priests. You know, they bring us the sacraments. So you can just imagine that, that the demons are, are, are really all around them trying to get them off, off the path and off the mark. And, and so that's why we must pray for our priests. And, you know, and they need to be praying as well deeply, you know, to stay on, to stay on that, uh, that path. Um, this is some good stuff we're, we're sharing here. This is like a virtual classroom, a religious education classroom. So this is wonderful. We're learning and growing together. Let's go back to Facebook. And Jean from Massachusetts has um, a question. Okay. Oh, and this is kind of similar to our previous one. But you know what? We'll, we'll take this one as well because it kind of maybe it's, a, it's an add-on. Some years back, I won a handcrafted necklace at a New Age store that um, had classes and sessions on, on occultism and teachings, table tipping. You got, what is table tipping? You'll have to tell me about that. Demonic activities and the like. I no longer get involved in the occult. I still have the necklace in its box, and I wanted to sell it or give it away. Do I toss it out? And if not, what is the proper way to deal with it? Thanks. What is table tipping? Adam, have you heard of that? Yes. It goes back to the early days of spiritualism. Um and it essentially is two, three, four people sit at a table, they put their fingertips on the surface of the table, and then they ask questions of a spirit, and the table rises up and maybe knocks on the floor to give answers. A lot of people fake it by pushing with their knees under the table or using other mechanisms. Is that kind of similar to that when we used to do the, the well, we didn't, when the kids used to do it at the time, you know, with the Ouija boards and the light as a feather, stiff as a board, that, all that kind of stuff. So you're trying to get yes. a, a comment back. Okay. So she has still has this necklace in a box. She wanted to sell it or give it away. I definitely wouldn't sell it. I don't think that's a good idea. Uh, what do you suggest? Well, you know, there's two levels to that. First off, I would say you probably want to just smash it and throw it away, and here's why. Um, the image that it portrays, my guess is is that it's not at all Christian, um, that it'll be some new age idea being conveyed by the symbolism in it, uh, or it's demonic in some veiled form, you know, some demonic symbol. Secondly, it's almost certainly been, quote-unquote, prayed over uh, or cursed by the person. They may have had good intentions, but they're misguided if they're, if they're doing this at an occult shop. So they may not have intended harm, 
um, but they're misguided people, and they they probably did something spiritual to it in the in the process of making it or after they made it. So it probably has some negative spirit attached to it. So for those reasons, you know, I, I wouldn't pass it on. I wouldn't uh, sell it. Certainly, you don't want to profit from that. Uh, you probably just want to smash it and throw it away. Unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And just a couple things I just wanted to add on. If if you if you've ever dabbled in the occult or done anything like that, if you're Catholic, please go to confession. Please go to confession. If you're if you're Christian, um, make a, a ask for forgiveness. A good act of contrition. Please, you got it. You got to when you agree, Adam. You got to get that off of you and and you know and detach. Get away from it. <laughs> Because that is not a good yeah. thing to carry on to to next, um, you know, and, and bring into your home or into other relationships. Yeah, for sure. All of these things, they're just the beginnings of the relationship with the enemy. Mm-hmm. And so it's not that you go from zero to possessed and the things you see in the movies, but it's a slow process over years. You know, when we debrief people that have gotten into serious trouble, it was a slow slope, Debbie, over time that got deeper and deeper and they got more and more mm-hmm. into it. And, and these little things that seem harmless at the beginning and, oh, well, nothing big happened. Well, that's because you're just in the beginning of the process of that deception. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's only when you're in so deep that you can't pull back easily. That's when they, they show their true nature. So at the beginning, it might seem like it's all well and good. But that's because they're waiting until they get a a stronger hold on you. So these simple kind of harmless looking activities and things that that just add up over time could then become a very overwhelming event. And now you're in in deep with the demons. And, And you see it most clearly with things like Ouija boards, other mechanisms, automatic writing, things like this, where... And I've heard this so many times over the years, Debbie. The person says, well, eventually this voice suddenly spoke in my head and said, we don't need the Ouija board anymore. Just let me talk to you directly. Oh. And and the, the, that comes a turning point in whatever mechanism the person's using to converse with spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, it may spell that out and s- spell it out or, or whatnot with the device you're using, but they'll ask for permission to speak directly to you. And that's mm-hmm. at the point where... Uh, the relationship really turns a corner and, and gets domineering versus friendly. Okay, so this is our uh, recorded mailbag, monthly mailbag show. This is um, where you can send in your comments or questions, and then we every, once a month we gather them all up and answer your questions. Um, we do have uh, some more um, comments and questions, but before we go to... Um, Laura also on Facebook. Laura went there as well. Let me tell our friends how to go to Facebook. Just look, uh, look us up at the Spirit World Podcast. You can like us there. We could grow the Facebook family and then you can leave your comments or questions for the future mailbag show that we'll be doing next month. Okay. Um, here's one, Adam, and we'll maybe I'll ask the question. And then we'll you can we can pick up on the other side of the break. My brother is married to a practicing witch. We have them over a few times a year. My question is, when they give us Christmas gifts or bring food, should we reject these gifts? We pray the rosary every day and are practicing traditional Catholics. Thank you. That is the question that just came in. And we will answer it on the other side of the break. This is The Spirit World. I'm Debbie Giorgiani with Adam Bly. We are the co-hosts of The Spirit World. Angelo is our producer. He's doing a fine job. And this is uh, the show that you hear live on Saturdays. Stay with us.
in a sea of overwhelm? Hi, this is Coach Felicity with Stand Tall Today Coaching Minute. Many people find themselves challenged with overwhelm. Too many things to take care of, too many people to please, too much work to do. And in spite of their best efforts, they continue to fall behind with this overwhelm coming in like a flood. But that's not the abundant life that Jesus wants you to live. That's why Stand Tall Today has experienced professional coaches that will assist you in dialing down that overwhelm. They'll help you get a grasp on where you are and to create a plan that enables you to take bite-sized steps of action so you can live an abundant life. Why not take your first step right now? Go to StandTallToday.com and find a coach that is just right for you. Because life is simply too short to stay lost in a sea of overwhelm. This is Coach Felicity with your Stand Tall Today Coaching Minute. One of the reasons we should go to Mass is because it is the food of the saints that we receive. And for the saints, they understood rightly that the time after Holy Communion, that those moments are the most precious moments of our lives. The Holy Sacrifice of the Mass, live from the EWTN Chapel, every morning, 8 Eastern, on EWTN Radio and Television. You're listening to an encore performance of The Spirit World. No calls at this time. Spirit World continues with Debbie Giorgiani and Adam Bly. If you have a question for the show, call 877-757-9424 or email tsw at grnonline.com. This is our monthly mailbag show, so we uh, just introduced this question about... um, uh, this wonderful listener to the spirit world said her brother is married to a practicing witch. And when they bring over Christmas gifts and food, Adam, what should they do? Because they are practicing traditional Catholics in the home. And here her brothers coming in with this practicing witch. Um, is the food tainted? Is the, Are the gifts cursed? I mean, what happens with that, Adam? Yeah, Debbie, this is um, it's a great question because I think it's a common experience these days as, as Western civilization becomes much more accepting and perhaps even celebrating of witchcraft. And, you know, we, so here's the thing. Um, we want to separate judging and dismissing the person and kind of turning on the person in anger. We want to try to separate that from the spirit that is behind what they're doing. So most people practicing Wicca or witchcraft, most of them, it's some modern version of it. Their intentions aren't necessarily bad. They're just misguided. They think that's actually the truth to some extent. And they may think they're doing a good thing. So the person themselves may not have ill will, but we need to recognize the fact that the spirit behind what they're doing does have ill will towards us and them and everybody else. And so as a, as a practicing Catholic household, number one, you have a moral responsibility on you that you, you have to at least talk with them and try to explain to them, you know, what they're doing is forbidden in scripture. Uh, they're, they're playing around with demons. They're, they're turning to spirits other than the creator to get their power 
in the world. So, so it's incumbent on you as a Christian to try to talk to them. You don't have to yell at them or beat them over the head with it or, or say, I'll never speak to you if you don't do what I say. But it's incumbent on you to have a, a calm and cogent discussion about these things. So the specific items. Oh, and, and the other caveat I would say is we don't want to advocate breaking up families or breaking up relationships with your children ever. Um, we always want to be loving. And it, if there's an issue that's very serious, of course, you're going to have to navigate that within your family. I can't give you a simple answer, but I don't think the answer is ever to reject our children uh, or to break off relationships entirely. There should always be a, at least praying for and a, and a charitable hope um, with families. We don't want to advocate breaking them up. All that being said, uh, if somebody's bringing you food or drink, uh, and again, from, from many years of experience and seeing lots and lots of cases, food and drink is a big deal. When you bring that into your body and choose to consume it, if it's been, if rituals have been done over it, there can be a spirit attached to that, that then you have consented to letting into your body. That doesn't mean you'll necessarily become possessed, but you could develop other problems because you've accepted through your free will action, you've accepted something that had uh, rituals done over it. This is probably why the ancient tradition of saying grace over anything before you put it in your body is there, because we don't know what's been done to it spiritually before it landed on our plate or be mm -hmm. before that person handed it to us. So you probably... Honestly, you probably want to say, you know, in the future, just please don't bring us gifts of food or drink to the house. Mm -hmm. And please don't bring us anything connected with witchcraft or the occult. If you want to bring sure. us a nice uh, gift from a Catholic shop or, or a neutral thing like a book from the bookstore that isn't on the occult, you know, all that would be or fine. How about just flowers or something? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, mm -hmm. but, but given, you know, our understanding of things, we, we really would prefer to not have food or drink as a gift. Hopefully right. that's fine with them and they won't be upset. Um, so those are the two big things. You have a duty to talk to them and, and you do want to be mindful that the spirit behind what they're doing wishes you ill. Have those boundaries. And, and the final thing I would say is, if they're entering your home and visiting for the holidays, personally, if it was me and I own the home, I would say to them, look, I understand what you're into, but this is a Catholic home. And I, I have to say, you don't have permission to do any rituals of any kind, even under your breath in my home. And if you're not okay with that, you can't be here. I would agree with that. You have every right to do that because you're, you have the authority of your home. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and going along the lines of that, because you were talking about breaking up family relationships and stuff, uh, this, this came in via text from an anonymous, how do I deal with my adult child who says she's a witch and she practices it and tells me that God doesn't exist? How do I welcome her into my home? So that would be like the same thing. This is like, this is a Catholic home, you know, and if you're going to do any of those things under your breath or out loud, you know, just know that it, it does not have, you do not, you're not welcome here, right? I mean, could you, could you say that? I mean, you could tell your daughter, I love you as my daughter, but the, but the practices right. of this are not welcome here. Right. I would separate what they're doing from the person, person. and say, right. you know, I love you, but in, from my perspective, what you're doing is dangerous to you and it's dangerous to others, including me, if you're doing them in my home. So, you know, I, I can't accept you bringing that practice into my house. I love you and I want you in my house in my life, 
but I don't accept the practices that you're doing to be visited upon me or my home. Right. And if that if that person or that child or that adult person that you're in a relationship with, if they say, well, that's, too, you know, too bad, that's who I am. Well, then you have every right to, to protect your home and protect your being. Yeah. And that would be a very sad situation if somebody said, you know, no, you must accept my religious practices that they be foisted on you against your will, you know, and, and then we're getting into just moral and ethical issues of, you know, uh, no person really has a right to say, well, you're going to submit to my, to my spiritual beliefs. We're going to hold you down and pray over you against your will is essentially the equivalent. And of course, that's not the way God works. God doesn't force himself on anybody. Uh, it's the devil who would like to force himself on people. That, that approach is not, it's not healthy and it's not good. So let's stay along the same lines there since we're, we're putting these all in the same bucket. And it's probably great because we're covering everything from different angles. Laura from, on Facebook says, can hypnosis and the use of a pendulum during hypnosis open the door to demonic activity? My husband had multiple hypnosis sessions and was given a bracelet by the hypnotist that we later discovered was a chakra bracelet. He has since been under spiritual attack. Could having the bracelet also be causing this? He had forgotten he had it and um, will be disposing of it right away. And, you know, Adam, as I was reading Laura's comment, I was thinking to myself, I remember I was sharing with you um, on the break. I remember being pregnant with my first son and there was a gal at one of our mom, at one of our mom's groups that we were, that we hung out with. And I think she was even active in the church and she had this crystal, you know, pendant and she would put it over everybody's, you know, pregnant uh, belly and she would determine if they were going to have a boy or a girl. I mean, and it was really quite um it was it it seemed harmless at the time but you know looking back now having you know knowing now you know knowing what i know now and and then understanding this better i'm thinking this is really problematic can you address all this so first off we we have an authoritative church document to address the hypnosis and that is jesus christ the bearer of the water of life which anybody can google uh and then read there and do a word search for hypnosis and you'll see there that hypnosis is forbidden because it is a submission of the will to another person's will. Okay, so it's a weakening of the will and turning over authority over your mind to another person. So you want to stop doing the hypnosis. You want to go to confession about it and then not do it ever again. The bracelet represents a cult perspective on the spirit and the body. You want to throw that away as part of going to confession and getting the hypnosis off of you. Okay, this, thank you so much for joining us on this mailbag, monthly mailbag show on the spirit world. We'll be back live next week and you can call us and be on air with us. Until next week, have a beautiful and blessed week. We'll see you real soon. This has been the spirit world produced by the Guadalupe radio network to share this program with people, you know, or to send a question to the hosts. Visit grnonline.com slash spirit world.